Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast. I'm Brandon Karam. Alongside me is Belly Up Sports Beat Writer for the Boston Red Sox, L.J. LaFiora. Uh, we are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We are what they aren't. MLB Daily, we are your one-stop shop for seven days a week baseball content. Uh, L.J., how are we doing? We are doing Pretty good, Brandon. Ready to get this day underway and get us going. So you guys can have a fantastic day. Absolutely. Well, we have a full 15-game slate, all 30 teams involved in action today. So let's get right into it. Starting off with the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. Uh, Vladdy Jr. stays scorching hot, hitting his league-leading 16th home run of the year, top three. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. would go yard top four. That makes it 3 nothing Toronto. But it was Steven Matz who was the story for the Blue Jays tonight, looking a dominant inning after inning, allowing one earned run late due to his manager not pulling him uh, at 111 pitches. Just kind of a dumb move. He was through six innings, looking really good. He comes back out at like 106 pitches. I think at that point, especially because he had been, you know, had a couple of not-so-great starts uh, these last few outings prior to this. I think that you just take him out after six scoreless with his 10Ks and you and you let him go. But uh, 
still they they win six one. He ends up going six and two thirds, six hits, one run, and ten Ks. So let's say that he that they pull him after six. That'd be six innings of uh, four hits, no runs, and ten Ks. So that would be the difference. Corey Kluber took the loss for the Yankees. Four and three, uh, three innings, two hits, two runs, and five five Ks. He got pulled from this game after the third inning. Um, I believe it is shoulder tightness is what they're saying. He will undergo an MRI tomorrow. Uh, Toronto breaks a six-game losing streak. One of the Toronto Blue Jays' top pitching prospects, Alex Manoa, he will uh, debut for them today, and he'll face Domingo Herman. Uh, LJ, when I was making those comments about Steven Matz, you were uh, shaking your head there. Yeah, you're 100% wrong on this one, Brandon. And let me tell you why. You have here a Toronto team, which, as you've said, has lost now six in a row, or had lost six in a row, four of which was almost entirely on the bullpen, one of which was the most disastrous self-destruction by a blow, a bullpen I have seen in a very long time there is no one you can trust in this bullpen and no reason to necessarily trust them to keep a game you should need to go as far as humanly possible with your starter if you have a a good start going that you can this is clearly a game it was 6-1 was the final I mean you can't complain with that and you can't complain with having that big a lead. It doesn't matter if he's got a shutout. You have to lose the ship in order to keep the fleet. And you had a much larger chance of losing the entire fleet if you put that bullpen in and they they screwed up early than you did if you kept him out there and maybe he got uh, a couple chunks taken out of him. I mean, it sucks for his numbers. However, when it comes down to it, it's about winning games. It's about winning games for Matt's. It's about winning games for the team. And that's what you're here to do when you're in sports. You're here to win. You're not here for your numbers. You're here to win and you're here to entertain. And yeah. I think all of that was achieved here. But I'm kind of excited for this Alec Manoa start because he has, Brandon, has been on an absolute tear to start this season. He's currently got a .50 ERA in 18 innings. So that's only one earned run over that time. Three walks and 27 strikeouts. Wow. That's 13.5 strikeouts per nine. Um, 1.5 walks per nine. This has been an absolutely dominant start for the Buffalo Blue Jays, wherever they're playing. I forget. They're in wherever their double-A site is. Um and it was solid all the way down the line, too. When you look at this, um, 265 in Vancouver in 2019 after he came out of college at West Virginia, where he was also very, very good. So hopefully, fingers crossed here, they've found another reliable starter here who maybe can go deep into games. I mean, Ryu and Matt's have been the only two people that have been pretty consistently reliable. I mean, I know Matt's had that slip up mid-year, but they've been the most consistently reliable to go deep. And at this point, you're going to need that if you want your bullpen bullpen to get any confidence. Yeah, 
Uh, I agree with that. Uh, certainly, I wasn't thinking about the the bullpen aspect of it. I guess I'm just so used to the Yankees having a nice bullpen where. Well, no, I no, I should say I'm so used to the the Yankees not having good starting pitching to where the the bullpen has to come in in the fifth inning. So I'm just kind of used to that. I'm not used to having a starter go a little bit deep and having to manage them when they're at 100 pitches there. Brandon, I think it's about time that the Yankees undergo a name change. I mean, they haven't had a rebrand in over a century. Why don't we just change this to New York MRIs? <laughs> because, I mean, that, that, that's where the majority of your players end up spending their time. And if Kluber goes down here, that is not a good look for a, uh, a rotation that has looked very solid so far. However, it's certainly not like perfect. Yeah. It, it can't afford a hit here like this. But of course, you talk about uh, Vladdy hitting his league leading 16th home run in just about every single instance so far this year where somebody has tied or gone ahead in home runs. Within an hour, there has been the requisite Ronald Acuna home run to tie or retake that lead. That's why in a text message I sent to you earlier, I was freaking out after the Vlad Guerrero home run. I would have rather not have that if it meant that I wasn't going to be stressed out about Acuna going up against the Red Sox. But we have that game next between the Braves and the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, in Boston. So this game started, and Charlie Morton had a real tough time with his control, struggled through much of the early game here, ends up bringing the first run of the game in with the bases loaded. He hits Rafael Devers to bring in one run. Um, he ended up consistently having traffic on the base path through the first three innings, and then really stretches himself out, gets himself back going. Top of the third, Marcelo Zuna drives in a run with a double. And then Albies grabs one more in a very um, scary play. Brandon, I'm not sure if you saw this, where Marcelo Zuna is trying to slide into third base as they go there for the fielder's choice because they can't get it at home. And he hits his finger on Rafael Devers' cleats, I'm not sure exactly what happened. All I know is it looked like Rafael Devers was about to throw up when he looked back. So um, I haven't seen any update from that. Maybe you have, but certainly uh, nothing's an issue. Yeah, I've had quick pitch on in the background here for the last like hour and a half, and they showed a highlight of it, and his finger looked really messed up like just very very dislocated yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure if it's dislocated or broken or what it is but it was not a good sign but that makes it 2-1 atlanta and from there the red sox had no offense they get no hit through the last six innings top of the sixth ronald acuna drives in Pablo Sandoval, who had three hits in this game, to make this 3-1 Atlanta, and that would be the final. Give the win to Charlie Morton. He went seven innings, allowing no earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss will be given to Garrett Richards. He went five and two-thirds of an inning, allowing three earned runs. 
And today, next up, we have Nick Pavetta versus Drew Smiley. LJ, I have to know. I mean, Pablo Sandoval going three for four against you guys tonight. It was very loud and not in any celebratory manner. In in your household? No, not in our household. Like you could hear quite definitively through the um, TV at Fenway. The thing I'm surprised about is that anybody cares. I feel like I legitimately forgot that Pablo Sandoval was a Red Sox when he was a Red Sox, which isn't a good thing for a guy who had that gigantic contract because I basically put in as much effort towards being a fan of Pablo Sandoval as he put in to being a Red Sox. I mean, I think that's a fair way to do things, a fair transactional way to operate. He did not care to be there. He did not care about playing there. And why should I care about him? Why should I be worried about booing him when there are bigger fish to fry? Well, I'm surprised that it wasn't uh, loud in your household also, because uh, I know that you haven't been, of course, the, the, the biggest fan of him. Um, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It was like a completely new, different, it, it was a, a completely different front office uh, you know, it was a, it was a completely different staff there. So, um, well, it was also a completely different Pablo Sandoval than you ever saw. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who had a lot of success in San Francisco. Is clearly having success here in Atlanta. Three hits in this game. Um, I think is he's he hasn't broken it, but he's got like the tied for the record or something with um pinch hit home runs in the season in April. No, so the, the the record is seven and he oh, already has four. Three. Oh, four. four. Okay. Four. Yeah. So he's well on his way to that. So it's obvious that like first off, he shouldn't have left San Francisco. He was very comfortable there. But it was obvious that once he got here, he immediately didn't like it and didn't care who knew that. He Which, just took a two and a half season detour in Boston because you guys shipped him right back there or he ended up right back there yeah after. we yeah we ended up having to yeah eat part of that money and traded him back there during oh was that 2017 uh 18 so you guys actually didn't even trade him you just completely caught him on july it was 19th. DFA. caught him july 19th and he was signed as a free agent july 27 really? 2017 with the giants yep i could have sworn there was a something anyway yeah it it's irrelevant but now i mean even the defense was a significant improvement this is the closest thing that we have seen to a vince carter moment in the mlb i'm pretty well convinced of that the way vince carter left toronto back in the day this is exactly the same thing but in a big market, going to a smaller market. All right, on to the next game, the Indians and the Tigers. Top one, Cesar Hernandez leads the game off with a home run to give Cleveland the lead. The Indians get a run in the fourth on a ground out, and then a Jordan Luplo two-run home run late was enough to secure a 4-1 to one victory. Aaron Zavalli picks up his seventh win on the year, now 7-1. and one. Eight innings, six hits, one run, and six Ks for him. Tariq Skubal, uh, now one and seven on the year. Five innings, six hits, two runs, and nine Ks. 
James Karinchak with his sixth save on the year. And today, Tristan McKenzie will take on Jose Arena. All right, next up, we've got the Cubs and the Pirates. A very close scored game between two teams. Uh, here, the Cubs coming into this game 24 and 22, the Pirates 18 and 28. And this game started off pretty decisively for the Pirates as they score two runs in the first, including an RBI single by Jacob Stallings, and then a RBI single by Ben Gamble in the second makes this 3-0 Pittsburgh. But from there, Jock Peterson reminds us exactly why the Cubs decided to pay him and only him this offseason. He sends a solo home run in the third to right field to make this 3-1, and then a two-run home run in the top of the fifth makes this 3-3 Chicago before Anthony Rizzo drives in Javi Baez to make this the final 4-3 Cubs over the Pirates. Give the win to Jake Arrieta. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss to Cody Ponce. He went five innings, allowing four earned runs, and Craig Kimbrell picks up the save, his 10th on the year. Today, Trevor Williams versus Will Crow. All right, on to the Royals and the Rays. Yandy Diaz single in the bottom of the third opened up the scoring for Tampa. In the top of the fourth, Carlos Santana goes yard to tie the game at one. Top six, Salvi Perez, RBI single, plates another one for Kansas City. The Royals pitch fantastic. They win two to one. The win to Brad Keller, now four and four on the year. Seven innings, four hits, one run, seven Ks. Rich Hill takes the loss, and LJ, this is a tough line for the, the veteran. Eight innings, six hits, two runs, 13 Ks. Kyle Zimmer with his second save on the year for Kansas City. Tampa Bay snaps its 11-game winning streak, their second longest in their franchise's history. And today, Mike Miner faces Tyler Glass now. Yeah, honestly, again, and then you think about the fact that you have the top of the rotation coming up for Tampa. So if they were able to get through this game, that puts them at 12 tied for it. You've got Glass now and Yarborough. That's a very, very good shot to get up to like 14, 15 wins in a row. That could have been a great opportunity, but they unfortunately fall short. Uh, Coming in second in bad beats here is in this Phillies-Marlins game, which really only came down to one play, one at bat, one pitch. Rice Hoskins sends his 10th homer of the season out to left field scoring himself and Brad Miller and making it 2 nothing Marlins in the top of the fourth. That would be the only score of the game. The Phillies win this one 2 nothing. Give the win to Vince Velasquez. He went six innings of shutout ball with five strikeouts. The second worst beat of the day goes to Sandy Alcantara, who has this loss. He went eight innings along two earned runs, and Hector Neris picks up his eighth save of the year. Aaron Nola will face TBD. Dun, dun, dun. 
on to the Orioles and Twins, the battle of the bottom feeders. Uh, top two, Cedric Mullins, two RBI single to open up scoring. Bottom two, Jorge Polanco goes deep, and then Rob Ref Snyder doubles. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Two wild pitches uh, also occur in the inning, and that would net four runs for the Twins. Kirilov would a double, and Ref Snyder would homer. Uh, Yankees legend Rob Ref Snyder uh, th- to extend the lead. The Twins win seven four. Jose Barrios with his fifth win on the year now five and two. He goes five and two thirds innings, seven hits, one earned, seven Ks. LJ the, the Kremer was shaken the kremer was indeed shaken once again i mean i i I question how much more shaking you need to do here before i'm I'm not sure where to go with this analogy but we'll work on something well dean kramer with his fifth loss on the year now falls to zero and five he goes four innings six hits five runs five k's taylor rogers with his third save on the year Baltimore has lost eight in a row. Jorge Lopez will face Michael Pineda today. LJ, are, I was thinking we are very you know, close to whipped creme. That's whipped where I was trying to get with this. It, it's it's all it's the cremer has been shaken so much that we almost have whipped creme. I was thinking maybe what they could do is just have John Means pitch every every fourth day and just and just pick up his start as well. Well, Brandon, I mean, if you're going there, if you really want to excite the crowd, why don't you just have John Means pitch every day? I mean, he would he would have the most strikeouts in the league. Yes. It's and until his arm fell off most after losses. About a week. No, no, no. Think about this. You, you only have him go through twice, unless he's got a no-hitter going again. You only have him go through twice, twice through the rotation, and then you bring in the scariest force known to man. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight will rise as the follower to Dean Kramer. I don't know. 18 batters can, like, that's six innings. If you're perfect. If you're perfect, yeah. In most most scenarios, let's call it, let's call it four innings. Matt Harvey does another two. All right, so. Next thing you know, you're in the bullpen. So John means four innings for 162 games. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Of That's course. not honestly terrible. No. We don't. Need to- please don't give Aaron Boone any ideas. 
Chad Green. Chad Green on 372 innings in the season. I mean, that's that's his normal workload, right? Yeah, for about a for about a, a month. What is he at right now? You know, I don't think that, that it's been as bad this year, honestly. 24 he, innings. Yeah, no, that's not terrible. No, he will he will end up with actually, yeah, he'll end up with more innings per outing this year than he did last year. Yeah, I mean he's, 20, he's at 20, the 2018 season, he threw so many innings. Yeah. And it true. was it was it's 70, 75 innings out of the pen over 63 games. And the vast majority of them were like way too high leverage seventh innings. Oh, it was like bases loaded, one out in a tie game, and we're like gonna bring him in, and we're expecting him to go like four outs. Yeah, because that was um that was the year right after you lost what's his face to Philly. I mean, you lose everybody to Philly, so yeah. What's up with no, that? No, Is that just like the landing spot for everyone, all the outcasts of New York now? Maybe, except 20... Oh, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, you mean? Oh, my gosh, I forgot about McCutcheon. No, I meant... um, No, I I thought about Didi after the fact. You got Girardi there, you got McCutcheon there, you have Didi there, but it was the reliever that you guys um, loved. Oh, David Robertson? Yes. He was on the 2018 team. We lost him in 2019. No, there was somebody in the 2017 team I thought that was. Hmm. I don't remember. Maybe that, that that probably is it. Ronald yeah. Torres, maybe, because he's no. also on the Phillies. No, regardless. Again, how many how many guys could possibly be in both spots ever? It's kind of it's startling because yeah. it's not like it's the you know whole thing where like the Dodgers, Rays, and uh, Padres um, pass their players around at the beginning of each off season. Mm-hmm. those couple days like it's not like that they've got that type of pipeline in philly no it's just they're literally just picking up okay the yankees thought they were good at some point they must be decent right uh, you could also make the same thing with the colorado rockies and the yankees well the colorado rockies have no actual plan so i remember the uh, former rockies to play for the yankees matt holiday uh Troy Tulowitzki, DJ Lemayhew, Adam Ottavino. Uh, All right, that might be the dumbest. Hoffman. That might be the dumbest strategy I've ever heard of. Brian Cashman does realize that the Rockies have no clue what the hell they're doing, right? Mike Talkman was amazing for the Yankees in the spurts that he that he gave us. Do not insult the Talkman. I'm not. Ins- I'm not insulting the Talkman. I mean, when given the opportunity to play, he played very well. It makes you wonder why he didn't have the opportunity to play. Um, but Welcome to the New York Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the Colorado Rockies have literally been flying by the seat of their pants for the better part of the last decade. So I'm not sure they're the best judge of talent. Eh, I think that Jeff, Jeff Breidich is a fine GM and has done a fine job there. No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. He's the worst GM in, in possibly the history of baseball. Well, I mean, th- there's some positives here. I mean, without Jeff Breidich, you don't have this Cardinals team. 
without Jeff Bridich, you don't have the the Dodgers and Padres having super teams because no. there's no way that they would go for it like this if there was a third competitive team in their division. Except there is. That's the thing. Sorry, like, there's more a fourth competitive team. Well, yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, they 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 wouldn't be even in this place. I don't think the Dodgers. If Breidich puts this team together correctly, like if you look at what they had when everybody was starting to come up in that 2016-17, if he makes halfway decent moves and doesn't make the wrong choice literally every single time, like it's in one of those, did you ever play those books, those choose your own adventure books when you were a kid? Possibly. Where it's like you have like options A, B, and C, and each option tells you to flip to a different page, and your story okay. continues. Yeah, there. he basically cho- chooses the the version where you die every single time he goes in. Like it doesn't matter if it's A, B. It's not like he's picking the same one every time. He's picking whatever one he thinks is right. You flip to the page, and he's dead somehow, some way. Like that's basically how he ran that team that entire time. There was so much potential for greatness with that group that just it, I, I I and it's not that I'm salty but like I'm sort of also salty uh, all right yeah, Reds what's going on with the game recaps <laughs> yeah let's get back to these game recaps because we love the we love to recap the day we've got the Reds and the Nationals here and this game again was all about the lasers uh, there were three of three lasers in this game. First one opens up in the top of the third with Kyle Farmer. And then again, in the sixth for, for the Reds, Eugenio Suarez sends another solo shot out to make it two nothing Cincinnati. Washington tries desperately to rally back in the bottom of the ninth with a Josh Bell Homer, his sixth on the year, but they fall short and lose this one two to one. Cincinnati advances to become 21 and 25. The Nats fall to 20 and 24. The win will be given to Tyler Molly. He went five and a third with no earned runs. And the loss, the third most, the third worst beat of the day goes to Max Scherzer. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and nine strikeouts. The save will go to Lucas Sims, his second on the year. Next up, Jeff Hoffman versus Joe Ross. All right, on to the Dodgers and the Astros. Uh, certainly a game a lot of people were looking forward to. Their first matchup uh, with fans uh, since that they found since we found out that the Astros were cheating, and uh, the Dodgers top four Justin Turner two run home run to put LA on the board. Top six, Chris Taylor singles, then a wild pitch makes it five nothing Dodgers. A Bregman home run makes it five to one, but then the Dodgers get three bases loaded walks in the top of the eighth. They win this one handily, nine to two. Clayton Kershaw picks up the win, uh, now seven and three on the year. He goes seven and two thirds innings, four hits, one run, and six Ks. And he faced Zach Granke. Wow. I mean, what a matchup that you could ask for for their first matchup of the year, Kershaw and Granke. Uh, and uh, Granke with the loss, four and two. 
six innings, three hits, four runs, five Ks, with the fourth worst loss of the day. Um, L.A. has won eight in a row. Trevor Bauer faces Luis Garcia today. Yeah, let's talk about the way this game went, though, because yeah. I'm kind of sick and tired of this. Again, I really have gotten to the point where I could care less about the Astros cheating. I could care less about anyone stealing signs. It really does no, no longer matters to me. However, this is another classic example of the MLB handling a situation poorly. Because <laughs> no I way. Would no way that happened. Are you are you serious? <laughs> no way. I can guarantee you people would stop caring after this series if they would just let it go. If baseball would let it go. I if I if I understand correctly, the Dodgers, this was at Dodger Stadium, the Dodgers like no, no this was in Minute Maid. Oh, it was in Minute Maid. Yeah. I, I either way, um the Astros, like Browns people, did everything in their power to remove any st- any um signs that insinuated anything about the Astros cheating. Like, I can understand if you don't want people bringing trash cans into the stadiums, because a lot of people have been doing that. It's pretty... I'm amused, but I can understand... I appreciate how- the effort and, like, the the lengths to, that people go to, to, to do that. Yes, the commitment is appreciated, but I understand the risks, and it's a bit too much. However, like, if you're trying to shut the narrative down, this is America you're not going to be able to shut the narrative down. It's just going to get louder if you try to silence it. So why don't you just take your lumps because you have to and move on rather than trying to silence your opposition here. Like it's not going to work. It's just going to end up getting you more negative press about this. Like it could be over if they just let it, if they let it go. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Rockies-Mets. Uh, this game scoring opened in the bottom of the first with an RBI by James McCann. Ryan McMahon quickly ties this up then in the top of the second with his 13th home run of the year to left center. And then in the sixth, Thomas Nito's third homer of the year makes this Three to one Mets, and that will be your final three one New York. Give the win to Miguel Castro. Jacob DeGrom went five innings, allowing one earned run and nine strikeouts in his first game back from the injured list. The loss will go to Chichi Gonzalez, and the save will be Edwin Diaz's his eighth. Next time out will be Herman Var- Marquez facing. Marcus Stroman. LJ, can can we talk about the Mets? Because they have an insane amount of injured players right now and guys on the IL. They have an insane amount of oh yeah, actually, yes. I do want because there's something I completely forgot about that I need to talk about here that's really upsetting me. But yeah, I mean you're a hundred percent right here in the fact that there's a lot of people here. They have like no outfielders right now. They just traded for an outfielder tonight. Oh, they traded for another one. Good. They, they traded for for Billy McKinney from the Brewers for a seventeen-year-old left-handed pitcher. 
they're they're willing to do anything. Billy is currently has an OPS plus of, um, I want to say it was sixty eight. He's a warm body, Brandon. Yeah, poor Janesse Fargus, who I learned how to say his name, Janesse Uh Yeah, LJ, me and you were right. That was a rough-looking uh, play into the wall that he had. But, yeah. LJ, it is like their entire outfield and just so many position players here that have such a positive impact. Michael Conforto, mm-hmm. Pete Alonzo, you know, like – Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nemo, it's their guys. Yeah, it's it, it's it's their core of like guys you know too. Like I mean, Dom Smith and I guess Francisco Lindor, if he's the face of your franchise, are great and all. But with with it really just being yeah, like Dom Smith is the only like long. And Lindor's guy. not even great this year. He sucked. No, but but I, yeah. So like basically, Dom Smith is the only like long-tenured guy and Edwin Diaz. So Dom Smith's the only long-tenured guy that you don't have some still negative, like, apprehensions about. Like, I feel like the overall public favor of Edwin Diaz just never really repaired itself, even though he had a fine 2020 and has had a fine 2021 so far. Like, he's not somebody that you get excited about if you're a Mets fan. But, I mean, so Dom Smith... Other than Jacob DeGraw. Oh, like, no, no, no. Yeah, but I'm saying is before tonight, oh, yeah. Jacob DeGrom was not currently on that roster. The only guy you had was there's like three, there's like two guys here. But Francisco Lindor needs to stop everything about himself right now. I, I, I'm just, he just needs a complete reset and it has to come from literally the bottom up. Well, for starters, let's look at the baseball of it. This guy is currently has a uh, 185 batting average with a 565 OPS. No bueno. This this dude has done absolutely nothing after signing that gigantic contract. And Brandon, believe me when I tell you this, if you haven't seen it, he looks the part right now. Never again do I want to see someone dye their hair green as a Met in the way that Francisco Lindor has. I, I'm not sure if you've seen it. The dude looks like a freaking clown. <laughs> the dude literally looks like he's like Krusty the Clown's cousin. And he's just walking around out at shortstop. Like, and you're, you're playing like you're best friends with Krusty as well. Like, this cannot be your overall outlook. This basically sums up his outlook of the field is looking like an absolute idiot in that Mets uniform of blue, light blue and orange with green hair and whiffing every time you go up to the plate. Just just go home, think about your life, and try again later. I have something really interesting here. So he played in all 60 games last year for the Indians, and it's been 40 games, uh, or it, the Mets played their 41st game tonight, or however it was. Lindor's played 40 games for the Mets this year, so that's 100 games he's played between 2020 and 2021.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, in those 100 games, LJ, here's his stats. A 232 batting average, a 319 on base percentage, a 362 slug. That's good for a 681 OPS, 87 OPS plus over his last 100 games with 11 home runs. I mean, I, I, I know we weren't like overblowing 2020, however it it did teach us some stuff like we're, we're eventually we're eventually learning like sometimes you're really smart to not look at 2020 and then other times you look like a complete idiot mm-hmm. for yeah. it yeah this is one of those um i hope that when it comes down to it the only person that ends up getting a red nose right now is francisco lindor and not the mets front office for making this deal in the off season because if this doesn't work out and they signed him to this gigantic extension, they're going to look like as much of clowns as Lindor. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to the next game, the Cardinals and the White Sox. The White Sox score five in the first, uh, two off of a ground out, or I'm sorry. The, the White Sox score five in the first two innings. They get a ground out, an error, a single, a walk, and a wild pitch. Bottom four, Jose Abreu makes it 7-2. He would then single bottom six to make it 8-2. The White Sox win 8-3. Lucas Giolito gets the W, now 4-4 four and four on the year. Six innings, one earned, five Ks. Jack Flaherty takes the loss. Uh, in case you haven't seen it posted everywhere, uh, Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty went to the same high school, uh, played on the same high school baseball team. Max Reed was also on the same high school team at the same time. Uh, that's a pretty good rotation for, for a high school team, wouldn't you say? That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. That's Harvard-Westlake High School uh, out in Los Angeles. But Flaherty with the loss, he takes, LJ, what do you say, the 10th worst loss of the day? Um, sure. I mean, if we're, if we're going to keep counting, might as well, yeah. <laughs> three and two-thirds, six hits, three over three Ks. Liam Hendricks gets his 10th save on the year. This is a really weird save situation because the White Sox win by five, but they load the bases in the ninth inning, and the save rule states that um, you're eligible for a save if the tying run is on deck. So with bases loaded, the time down five your tying run is on deck so 
they bring in Hendricks and he gets the save. So, yeah, interesting how that one works. All right. Um, yeah, let's uh, keep on moving into the Padres and the Brewers. This one ended up being a pretty handy time for San Diego, who ends up adding in uh, two runs in the top of the third and then a scoring drought until the top of the sixth, where they bring in two more to make things for nothing San Diego and eventually stretch this out to a six nothing lead before Travis Shaw can homer and break the scoreless lock for the Brewers, making this 6-1, your final 7-1 Padres. Give the win to Tim Hill as Joe Musgrove goes four and two-thirds of an inning with no earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Corbin Burns. He went six innings along four earned runs and seven strikeouts. The Padres steal six bases in this game, and next up will be Chris Paddock facing Eric Lauer. All right. Uh, on to the Rangers and the Angels. The Angels score nine in the first four innings, getting home runs from Upton, uh, Jared Walsh, and Shohei Otani. Adalas Garcia goes deep for Texas for his 15th home run of the year. Every Angels starty ex- Every Angel starter, except for Anthony Rendon, collected a hit. Hey, Tony! What are you doing here massacring my boy here? Yeah, I don't think he had a good day today. (laughs) He didn't have a good day today, but you can't always have a good day, man. I mean, but that doesn't mean you got to disrespect. You show too much disrespect. This generation, you watch your mouth, son, shows so much disrespect. You got to... You got to learn to do things the right way, Brandon. Well, his team got the victory. It's all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, talk about two bottom feeders. I, I said that earlier about the Orioles and the Twins. Rangers and Angels is, is close to, to two bottom feeders. Uh, it's like the secondary. It's like if you're losing the ability, like you're so bad that you can't even be in the bottom feeders. <laughs> wow, that is... I I firmly believe in American sports that the bottom teams should not get bullied as much as the second group. Like, at least the bottom teams who are terrible, because with the way that American sports goes, whether you like it or not, it, it makes it so that the teams that have not put themselves in a chance for success can work their way back towards success with correct planning by so, losing a lot by losing yeah, by losing a lot sometimes again it depends on your path because you could like i mean sometimes these tankings i mean you see stuff like miami where they do a fire sale they get some decent prospects back in that and yes they had some very very down seasons where they were able to pick up draft high draft picks of their own However, when it comes down to it, they also get a huge boost from the moves they made to put themselves in that, that terrible position. Mm-hmm. So it more often than not, the very bad teams in these leagues are bad on purpose. 
like they're trying to reset their roster, get younger, get new faces in there, recha- completely change the culture. You then have this second tier of group, tier group that half the time either is an absolute mess in the locker room, needs a complete coaching and philosophy change, has a terrible general manager, and just generally has no direction. It's basically the New York Giants of every single uh, okay, that was a very unnecessary shot to take at my Giants. Like I didn't was... take, I didn't take any shots. I, I, I say straight facts here, Brandon. That's something you should know. Here is that all I do is spit facts. But my point is, the Angels and Rangers have literally shown no direction over the past couple of years. I mean, it's very, it's very easy to forget that the Texas Rangers exist because. Like, they haven't put themselves in either way to succeed. When was the last time you heard of a top, top prospect coming up for the Texas Rangers? Well, LJ, you know what? I was thinking about it. I think COVID might have made the Rangers more popular because because of Everybody, COVID, everything played there. They had to play their new games at their brand new stadium. Like, they had to play all the World Series games there. They had to play the NLCS games there. So maybe it kind of helped them out a little bit, put them on the map. But that still doesn't make their team any more in a good position. I mean, they still have... Adalas Garcia is a top prospect. We'll say that. All right, yeah, yes. But that that was like a stumbled into one. Yeah, like talk about like actually stumbling into a guy who's just somehow one of the best home run hitters in the league this year. Yeah, I mean... Literally, I mean, talk about blowing that if you're St. Louis more so. I mean, that honestly is going to – could become one of the biggest what-ifs if, like, Randy Rosarina and Adolis Garcia become multi-time all-stars and you traded both of them away. Like, that could be a major screw-up. But their next best prospect is uh, Leody Tavares, who's currently ranked 60th in the league. They don't have a strong group of the top 200. They have three prospects. Like that's not where they're getting these guys. I'm struggling to see a legitimate, like big move they've made here. I mean, yeah, no, there hasn't been. They they found some nice bargain deals. However, they haven't gone out and like gotten a crazy free agent. The last like super notable guy that they've gotten was, all right, Corey, Corey Kluber, but that was an absolute mess. Their attempt at, like, this, like, super underrated big three in their rotation just did not work, and I'm not surprised of that. So you've got a team here that literally has no clue what they're doing. They don't – they, over the past couple of years, have had no clue whether they're buying, whether they're selling, whether they have a good enough core to do either of those whether they even had a core. I mean, Joey Gallows seems like the only player that they've been committed to over the years. And then over on the Angels side, you've got now four superstars on this team and absolutely nothing else. Who's they the four? Not- well, who's the who's number four? I I am projecting with Jared Walsh, but Jared okay, Jared Walsh. Also, I think they uh, Joe Adele has superstar potential as well. Yes, but he hasn't proven it to the point where I can feel comfortable saying that in the same way of Jared Walsh. 
Okay, fair. But still, all right, so it's four and a half stars. That's not enough to win. But they have shown such a terrible job of having any set plan towards filling out the other 20 men on the roster. LJ, they have four stars, and two of them are the two most valuable guys in the entire league. Mm-hmm. Like, probably the two most valuable guys in the league are on the same team, and they're... They have nothing else. The Dylan Bundy experiment was their biggest uh, plan. They put all their chips into the Dylan Bundy basket, and... I don't know. This just they they frustrate me to no end. So these are the my point is these are the teams that need to get the most hate because like they're doing nothing right. They're not losing correctly. They're not winning correctly. Like they just suck. Well, they get the win tonight. Uh, (laughs) Lost to Yun Jung Yang for the Rangers. Dane Dunning takes on Griffin Canning today. Griffin recyclable, perhaps. Uh, oh, right. Um, next up we got the Giants and the Diamondbacks. This one was pretty dominated by the Giants here, who right from the get-go with a three-run double by Brandon Crawford in the first show that they were the better team here, winning eight to nothing. Four of those eight runs came off the bat of Evan Longoria today, who homers for the sixth time this year and brought in another with a double in this game. So four RBIs for him on the day, very nice. The win will go to Kevin Gosman. He went five innings with no earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss to Corbin Martin, he went four innings, allowing six earned runs. Today will be Johnny Cueto versus Merrill Kelly. All right, the last recap, Mariners and A's. Both teams exchanged two runs in the first two innings. Top four, Tom Murphy doubles and Jared Kelnick singles to make it 4-2 Seattle. Jared Kleenex, yes, excuse me. Uh, Oakland gets a run bottom eight to pull within one, but Seattle holds on, wins four to three. Paul Sewell with the win. Uh, Logan Gilbert got the start. Four innings, four hits, two runs, four Ks. Cole Irvin gets the loss for Oakland, now three and six on the year. Four and two-thirds, ten hits, four runs, two Ks. And Rafael Montero with his sixth save on the year. All right. Uh, now it's time for the PPP. Yes. Particular I'm, players people might care about. I'm ready to jump on in on this because, like, I have finally had my, like, come-to-Jesus moment for this season here really maybe long term in the league i specifically wrote during the san diego part in case brandon had seen this as well to not spoil it because i want to talk i like i love to talk um right now brandon career slugging leaders with a minimum of 500 at bats coming in first of course you got babe ruth 690 Mm -hmm. Then 634, you have Sir Ted Williams. 632, Lou Gehrig. 609, Jimmy Fox. 607, Barry Bonds. Coming in with a 606 career slugging percentage. 
Fernando Tatis Jr. Wow. El Nino is ranking among the greats right now, and he is not even close to a finished product. He is slugging at a better clip than Manny Ramirez, better clip than Mark McGuire, better clip than Mike Trout. Brandon, I, I, I have never denied the fact that he is a great player and the fact that he has great potential. I'm 100% in now. I've bought in to the Fernando Tatis hype train. I hope it isn't too late to get like a first class ticket, but like, I would like to purchase one because this kid is going to El Nino is going to be the future of this league. I am fully convinced of it now. Uh, Also dominate and he's going to be so much fun in a new era where we're seeing the shortstops be offensively viable at a different clip than ever before. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that uh, about the shortstop. So, you know, it used to be such a primarily defensive position. Now we're seeing so many studs hitting-wise. You look at Corey Seager, Trevor Story, uh, and, of course, you know, Tatis now. But, you know, Tatis, the thing that's awesome about him he has 11 stolen bases this year. That's second good. That's second best in the league. I mean, so this is a guy who can combine that slugging percentage, which is just filthy. 604 slugging is a filthy Not slugging true. percentage to have. And he also has 37 career steals in 174 games. Like right now, LJ, his 162 game average for his career is a 302 batting average, a 375 on base, a 604 slugging percentage, okay? 48 home runs, 115 RBIs, and 34 stolen bases. I refuse also to believe that this is the end of him. Like you oh, are no, no, I'm blanking I'm deep. blanking on his age right now. He's 22. 22? Yeah. You're you're far from a finished product at 22, which means, in all likelihood, we should be able to project his numbers to go up. And with how aggressive San Diego's been on the base path, with the way that they've like actually shown up, like they've had very talented teams the past couple of years, and they've actually backed that up on the field. I doubt that the organization is going to change much from the front office and coaching perspective and their philosophy recently. He's probably our best bet to see significant base stealing. Yeah. Like he's feeling it. I said him or him or Ronald Acuna. Yes. But even again, like the Braves don't steal that much. And I think they're already playing very conservative with, Acuna and his health moving him to right field. So I wouldn't be shocked if they just ease up on that, not because he they don't think he can, but because they don't want to take too much risk with his body. So he could be the future of getting actual, like, consistent stolen base numbers. He is going to be the future. I wouldn't – I can pretty much count on the fact that we're going to get a couple seasons over – 400 on base by Fernando Tatis. 
he'll be walking sooner rather than later as teams really start to pay the consequences of him having such a ridiculous slugging percentage. I cannot wait to see what he is going to do for the next 10 years. Yeah, uh, not only him, but just the whole rest of the league. You know, we talked about Vladdy Jr. the last couple of days. We talked about Soto so much before. And just how many different superstars do we have? Not only them, but think about the guys in the minors that we're projecting to be superstars. Adley Rutschman, Jared Kelnick, even guys that are in the league right now, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Wander Franco. I mean, M- Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Sixto Sanchez, the just goes on, Kumar Rocker, it goes on and on and on, the potential talent that this league has coming in. Brandon, am I – I don't think I'm completely out of line to say I'm a little more concerned about the American League's future than I am the National League. Part of that is, again, because the majority of the, like, prospect talent is seeming to now come from the American League. But I just feel like the guys that are there, I have not seen, like, actually prove themselves. Like, don't get me wrong. Vladdy has been great. He's been brilliant this year. But I can't go ahead and put him on the same caliber as some of these other guys. I just haven't, I haven't been able to look at him and say, okay, I can, I can definitely see this guy dominating the league for the next decade. I cannot in my head put him on the same tier as Soto, as Tatis, as Acuna. Like, oh, I absolutely can. I, 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 uh, I can't. I can't get there with him yet. I certainly can't get there with uh, Robert, with Jimenez, with Franco, seeing they can't even get him up into the majors. Um, So, like, there's just – there's so much that I'm still waiting to see out of the American League that I hope that there isn't a significant talent disparity between the two leagues at some point. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think Eloy Jimenez is like just a kind of really underrated guy. Basically, the same the same sample size as Tatis, and with the 162 game average for him, it's 41 home runs, 110 RBIs, uh, 276 batting average, 848 OPS. So the power's there, just not nearly as much, but the home runs are there. But yeah. Uh, so that was your first guy in the PPP. My second one, or my first guy, this is quick. It's Joe West. Uh, I mentioned a couple of days ago on the show that he was uh, a couple, like I said, I think I said 40-something games away from passing the all-time umped games record. Well, I was reading an article from prior to the season. So Joe West tonight past the all-time record for most umpired games ever. Uh, Just really cool accomplishment for him. Uh, I was talking about it with a friend, LJ, and we said, you know, he's done over 5,000 games in the MLB. But how many games has he umped not in the MLB? You know, because think about Mm -hmm. how many games you have to ump to get to the MLB level. I mean, college, junior college high school. I don't even want to know how many 
how many baseball games this guy's umpired in his life. You know, I'm going to go even farther and give you something else to think about here. That's not a comfortable position umpiring. No. Like, think about that squat. Like, it's not a full squat, which you can kind of settle into. It's not standing, which, of course, is probably the most comfortable of the group. It's this weird middle ground that you kind of have to train yourself to. How many, t- how many hours has he spent in this? Yeah, I mean, this the squat position is not comfortable, certainly. And for guys who have to do it all the time behind the plate is interesting that they're able to persist so long. But LJ, I mean, Joe West, he's been going since 1975. I mean, that is, I mean, and that's just in the major leagues. That is so long ago. Oh, it's insane. All right, who's your second, Brandon? All right, my second guy is Rich Hill. Of course, 13 strikeouts tonight. He's the oldest pitcher with 13 strikeouts, uh, 41 years old. He is uh, since Randy Johnson did it in 2008 when he was essentially 45 years old. He was 44 years, 347 days old. All right, next up we have Charlie Morton here, who I cannot get the exact um, record pulled up right now. I cannot seem to find the tweet that I saw it on. However, Charlie Morton just became the most, or the I believe it's the second most strikeouts recorded by a pitcher from the state of Connecticut. Wow, that is impressive. So, yeah, I mean, again, this is a guy who didn't really, like, really turn it on until well into his MLB career. Like, his best numbers didn't come until late, later on. So, great on him for sticking it out and becoming a quality, quality pitcher. Is it just me? I have zero, absolutely zero uh, recollection with him on the Pirates. And he was there for seven years. I just felt like he just kind of came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, he didn't. Again, you, well, you look at his numbers. I mean, he didn't start consistently posting an ERA plus above 100 up until like 2016 with Philly. And then, then immediately coming back in those 2017-18 Houston Astros teams. Like, it took him that long to really turn that corner. So... Like, yeah, I'm not, I can't blame you for not remembering him here because he was largely irrelevant for the early part of his career. But yeah, he's currently sitting at 1328. I'm not sure if that counts tonight's action or not, but that puts him in very elite company among the people who have lived in the state of Connecticut. All right, let's get on the leaderboards and then uh, we will get out of here. Uh, war for hitters, Vladdy Jr. leads with 3.2, Nick Castellanos with 2.7, and Xander Bogarts with 2.6. War for pitchers, Garrett Cole at 2.8, Jacob deGrom at 2.4, and Corbin Burns at 2.3. Vladdy Jr. leads in home runs with 16. Uh, 
and then two Pirates guys lead here uh, for two hitting stats. Adam Frazier has the most hits in the league at 62, and Brian Reynolds has the most doubles at 16. And then a whole lot of nothing. I'm honestly surprised that Adam Frazier has kept that up. Like, I mean, seeing it through like a month and a half, I wasn't entirely surprised, but I become more impressed each day as he holds on to that. It probably won't stay for long, but staying up there has been really one of the bright spots for this team. Yeah, it's been kind of a battle between him and those two Red Sox guys for hits. Yeah. And LJ, this is a guy who is in the first percentile for hard hit percentage, the fifth percentile for average exit velocity, and the second percentile for barrel percentage. But you want to know what he doesn't do? He doesn't swing and miss, and he doesn't strike out. So that's all that matters. He hits the yeah. ball. He puts the ball in play. He doesn't hit it hard, but he's not not hitting the ball. Yeah, honestly, like, if you can, and depending on where you put that guy in the lineup, it's honestly more valuable. Like, I wouldn't put him, like, two. However, if you were to put it, if you were to lack a power guy and need somebody for that three or four hole, I 100% put that guy who can just hit the ball because you're going to have probably more more likely than not, your one, two are going to be rather quick guys. Like, just think about who your best hitter on your team is going to be is in that two hole most likely he is going to be one of your more athletic players. So if you can have a guy who's just going to put the ball in play, you're immediately going to have an opportunity for something good to happen a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, you can ground into double plays, which is why I didn't want to put him to, but like if you got, got if you have guys there and you can get something in the right spot, a lot of good can come from it. Yeah, I mean, he's been hitting in the leadoff spot for Pittsburgh, uh, but totally uh, in a in an ideal lineup, this would be the guy that, or in a non-ideal lineup, I should say this would be a guy who you could hit uh, in one of those spots, definitely. But um, all right, Brandon. Um, again, going back to this with the um, Baseball America's qualifier coming up, we have the official training camp roster. For USA Baseball, we talked about the roster a little bit the other day, and tomorrow we are going to try to project and predict what the lineup will be out of this roster. However, I have a hypothetical for you. What if we could get major leaguers on this team for the Olympics? For the Olympics only, not the qualifier, but the Olympics. So for what the best team would look like using major leaguers? Well, I'm just saying how great would that product would be on the world stage. And it's plausible the more I think about it. Because with overall what we are able to do grounds-wise now is much different than what it was even 10 years ago. Like removal and taking care of the stuff. So there are very few instances where you're going to have a World Series that gets screwed up by snow. Yeah. I mean, I can think of maybe two teams that would have our three teams, three or four teams that could have legitimate issues if you pushed that back. But every four years, you could give these guys 
three weeks off in July to participate in the Olympics for their respective countries and then start them early and push them late. You could just make it just a big, long, extended all-star break. Exactly. So, like, what I'm saying here is you make it so the World Series goes two weeks later and the season starts one week earlier. How about you shorten the season by a couple of weeks, too? You ever think of that? Like, Is that enough rest time, though? Like, you're not taking games out. You make it, like, 154 games. It's less – it's just – it's just better for everyone. Like eight less games. It doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm sure the players, coaches, staff would all love that. Yeah, they 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 would be on board with that in that situation because like overall, I think that's a worth a worthwhile trade-off because you're getting quality baseball in either way. So you could give these guys the majority of July off to go play in the go participate in the olympics and play baseball there and then come back to their respective teams also that would be so fun to watch america in that game brandon can you can you adequately picture shane bieber making the honduras national baseball team look like they're 12 year olds i was just thinking of a lineup of of Betts lead off, uh, Trout second. Uh, who else could we even throw in there? <laughs> I, there's just so many Brandon, guys. How far? Arenado at third. I Fred need to Freedom. know in feet how far the ball would go when Mike Trout faces off against the noodle arm of the ace of the Greek national team. Because I guarantee you, the arm is going to be about two inches thin and it throws about 70 miles an hour. Tomorrow, we should not only build the USA qualifying lineup, but figure out what the absolute dream team would be, just like how they do it for the NBA. It, I, I, well, speaking of tomorrow, I don't think that ball, I don't think that ball will land until tomorrow. (laughs) If you let Mike Trout face some of the stuff that these other nations are going to be bringing forth. And I got to thinking also about Greece. Like there's some, I know not every nation is going to participate here, but like, what if some of these groups just tried to do, and they just don't have the athletes for it. So they start sticking other athletes in from different areas. Like what if you just had Giannis playing center field for the Greek national baseball team? He's never played he's never played baseball before in his life. They just know he can cover a lot of ground and he can probably catch it decent. I picture him like having absolutely zero clue how to play baseball. Just like no understanding of the rules. Like grips the bat like as hard as he can. Like <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, he would have no clue what the heck he's doing. On the offensive side, he would have no clue situational defense. But like you have to admit, he could cover some ground. My he dude can cover. cover some, he could cover some ground. Uh, I don't know if center field is the best spot for him. I feel well, like he, what other Greek are you putting in center field? No, it's not that. I feel like that's like a very injury prone spot for him. No, like I mean. Well, like, he, he tries to make a diving play or something, it could be over. So where would you put him? 
Just like stick him at first. He can figure it out. He's got to catch the stick ball. Stick him at first, have the longest stretch. And uh, yeah, like exactly. You can, if you just teach him how to do a split, like you guys can have such an advantage. You can stretch out and get the throw there a half second quicker. There's like a hundred percent chance that he blows an ACL doing that. Like that's what baseball play or basketball players do every other day is tear, tear their ACL. There is a 100% chance that he would do ACL Achilles something trying to do the split. No doubt in my mind. Oh, I think that we've gotten to the end of this episode. Uh, well, Heck, maybe even if we couldn't do that, what if we brought in like the other ones, just people from other sports, just for fun? Like, the people that didn't make it all the way because they play other professional sports, like you bring uh, Russell Wilson in to play the outfield with, alongside Russell in the left, Tim Tebow in right, um, Tom Brady behind the plate. Okay. Now we're talking. I need to see it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. We really appreciate all the support from you guys. Uh, That's what makes us keep going seven days a week. Um, Make sure you check us out on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure you check out uh, LJ on Twitter at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. And I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. See you manana.